I want to hear, hear what you sound like. Talking in the microphone. <laughs> Get really close. I'm talking in the microphone. <laughs> oh, dude, we didn't do any research on the beer. Oh, dang it. That should be the intro. One, yeah. Dude. This is going to make my mouth pucker. Not all it's going to pucker. <laughs> Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts Rick and Patrick for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode 6 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick. And I'm your other host, Rick. And we're happy to be with you today. Um, we're going to continue in our discussion of concise theology. But we're going to keep it super concise tonight. I think yeah. we're only tackling like one one subject. Yeah, we might today. we might do like one and a half on this yeah. episode just because of the of how deep we're going to get we're, here. We're gonna we're just going to go ahead and throw this out there. We're going to talk about predestination tonight. Yeah, or so today or whenever you're, this morning, whenever you're listening <laughs> to it. So. Um, if you if you don't believe in predestination, you probably already. Let's be honest. Stopped you, it right there. If so. you believe in predestination, you also probably drink beer, so you more than likely listen to this podcast. True story. So, all right. So welcome, welcome to episode six. Um, today we are going to give a new beer brewing company. I don't know if you're or not. Uh, hey, this one, was sent in, this one was sent in by a listener. This was a recommendation. Well, not the specific one. They recommended the brewery. Yes, and the brewery so was recommended. This uh, this one comes by recommendation. This is our first recommendation beer. So we made it to episode and six before we got help. Got it. That's right. Only six episodes in. And this is the Left Nut Brewing Company in Gainesville, Georgia. Um, You got a hold on... <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me you read the can before, after we started recording. Yes, I did. Let's see here. Hold on to the one you got left. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Hey, recommender, we can't say your name, but thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you this so is much. going to be amazing. Because brewery. I have never heard of Left Nut Brewing in Gainesville, Georgia until today. And and I'll, I'm going to be honest with you. So, uh, it was a recommendation that came in, and I went to this, the package store, and I was like, I'm going to buy something from Left Nut Brewing. So I walked up and down the aisle like seven times before I found this is the only one that they had. So I don't, know if, about right. I don't know if this is a new company or if it's a small, maybe, or if they're small, but they're out of Gainesville and um, Georgia, not Florida or Alabama. There's like or Texas, Gainesville, every state or something. Isn't that like, no, that's Greensville. Greenville. There's a Greenville in like almost every state. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. So, so yeah. So, Left Nut Brewing Company. 
Oh, we're going to be doing... Hold on to the one you got left. Hold on to the one you got left. That's the name of the brewing company. I don't think we've said the name of the beer we're trying yet. No, we haven't. So that this is going to be the Ma uh, Mighty Banyan? Ban that's or what, Banyan? That's what it looks like to me. Maybe? B-A-N-Y-A-N. Banyan. That's um, what it looks like to me. Can's got a... It's got a tree, tree on it. A really nice it's, tree. Maybe a Banyan's a type of tree or something. Sounds about right. Dude, look at the little QR code. It looks like a tree, too. Oh, that's... Mine does. Hey, Left Note Brewing. You guys are getting Luther points just based on <laughs> yeah. the design of your can. Minimum one Luther right now. Uh, I've never had a double IPA. Yeah, um, we're going to find out what that even means here in a second. So, so tell us a little bit about this beer here. All right, so Patrick. from we go to the website of the brewing company because that's what we do to find out as much as we can about uh, these beers that we're trying. So on leftnutbrewing.com, if you go through and you find uh, Mighty Banyan Banyan, I'm probably going to interchange those, so yeah. sorry. Just gonna say sorry for my inconsistency, but anyway, so the Mighty Banyan Double IPA. Um, its description is that it's a uh, says just deeply rooted in legends and religion of India. The Banyan tree is a source of strength, longevity, and security. As with the Mighty Banyan, our Double India Pale Ale starts with a rich, multi foundation, followed by bold hops with crisp. Long, bitter-slash-sweet finish with hints of citrus, grapefruit, and pine flavors. Dude, did they just put every single thing possible that they could in the The only can? thing they didn't put in was uh, pecans or dragon milk. That's all they didn't put in here. It's a it's a stout, fruity, light, deep... This, uh, like, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about this thing yeah, right this, now. This is gonna be, this is gonna be fun, um... ABV is 9%. IBU, which we found out is the International Bitterness Units. I was close. You were, you were, you were two-thirds of the way. I, I was you were guessing. Utopia. I mean, beer bitterness can lead to utopia is all it's, I'm going to say there. That's right. Um, so its IBU is 89.2. Hey, Gravity's a new one. I don't think we've ever seen Gravity on any of the other. I don't know what that means. So I do know when you get a high, what's called a high-gravity beer, uh -huh. they're always a little bit more uh, ABV. That's that explains what, the nine here. So, yeah. But I don't know if 1.09 is high gravity or not. Beer experts, tell us what is considered high gravity and what is not considered high gravity. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, it's got a food pairing list here. Uh, barbecues, spicy food, curry dishes, steak, well-aged blue cheese. Is that, like, is that like salads? Cheese? Is that like salads from last Dried week? Dried plums and raisins. No, I think so. Beer and cheese, beer and cheese. Beer and cheese, like that... Seems like it would pair, like beer and cheese, wine and cheese. So maybe this is going to be a more classy thing than we're used to. <laughs> we are not classy. Uh, so I said more hey, classy than we're used to. True. Hey, I went to a bed and breakfast one time, and they in the afternoons they served beer and cheese. Nice. So I'm going to get that bed I was, and breakfast from you. I was when we're done recording. I was young and stupid, and I drank Coors Light. <laughs> of all the beer, <laughs> what kind of beer did they have there? Uh, it was like Coors Light or Bud Light. So. Oh. I didn't, so I didn't like, really have a good choice. Like, you would have done better if you'd gone to the store and got your own beer and cheese? Probably. Okay. Anyway, so... Gone um, to the gas station and got beer and cheese. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> gas station cheese. Can't wait for that. So, uh, but yeah. So, we're, we're excited about this one. This is uh, their left nut. And we can time the, the opening. Oh, here we go. Because they're cans, and we have two of them. So, one, one two, two, three. That nice. was perfect. <laughs> Oh, and that is citrus. Oh, yeah, you can smell it. It's like six inches from my face, and I can smell it. Dude. So, right right, just smelling out of the can, this smells almost exactly like the Flesh and Blood IPA. 
It's very similar. It's got a more um, like strawberry, yeah, smell there. It's a little less citrusy. Let's pour it up. Yeah, pour it up. Oh, I almost had a spill. <laughs> oh, listen to that. That's, That's amazing. Oh, oh, oh. This thing gets a pretty good head on it, too. I didn't pour it right. I think you're supposed no, to pour you it didn't. more of an angle. Yeah, you got to get a little bit of So, all right. While we're, while we're waiting on the head to, to dissolve down a little bit, we're going to talk about this. Because I have heard I there are from just... there are two camps that I have heard heard of when it comes to pouring beer into a glass. Okay. One of them pours Keep it... Keep having to stop from getting excess off of me because I don't <laughs> want to taste it before, you, before That's we a, taste it together. That'd be right. So, the, the one... One person, one person would say you turn the angle really, and you basically pour it down the down, yeah. Glass I, so it doesn't. I was doing it wrong-handed, so, so it doesn't fall very shit. much. And then I've seen somebody else say you do it more straight up, so that you do get a fair amount of head, and that releases the carbonation, and it makes it so that beer doesn't make you as bloated. That's what he says. So when you release the carbonation, you get more of the flavor. With less of the with less of the air, and so you're not as bloated when you drink beer. That's an interesting theory. And we're about to try. I'm about to try it because it's going to take like an hour for that to to go down. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to top mine off here. I'm just gonna have to drink it as is and top mine. You're off gonna end up with a with a mustache of. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> All right, here we go. So here we go. We're this gonna... is Left Nut Brewing Mighty Banyan Mighty Banyan Double IPA. It's bitter. That's more bitter than uh, than last week. I can see the bitters. And I typically don't like really bitter beer. So I'm going to caveat this. I don't typically like bitter beers. I don't think I got any beer. Mine was all foam. <laughs> I got a little bit. I'm going to have to go again. Hang on. I really I really like this one. This. I think, I think we're going to have our first majorly divergent rating system. Rating here. Yeah, so so I I realized listening back to last week, we never actually said what our rating system was. So if you listen to the episode five and we're like, what the heck does three and three and a half mean? You need to go back and listen to episode one. Or we could just say <laughs> from the outset, we're giving it Luther's. Okay, so Luther's. Um, one to five Luther's, one being uh, Natty Light and five being... We haven't had a five yet. Yet to be determined. Yeah, yet to be determined. We um, did get a 4.5. Um, Dragon's Milk got a 4.5 from yeah. Holland Brewing Company. Maybe it was Holland. Have, yeah, it was Holland and uh, yeah. Michigan. So they got a 4.5. That's the highest rating we've had so far. Anyway, so 1 to 5 Luthers, 1 being Natty Light, 5 being something really good. And It's making me burp. <laughs> so, uh, so Rick's going to, I think he's going to rate this one pretty low. Well, okay. So I'm going to go ahead and say that I typically do not like uh, really bitter beers. Okay, if it's bitter, I just I, I don't know why I just don't like bitter bitter beers. Okay, so knowing that this had a, a, an IBU of what was it like 81, 81, 89, you're right, 89. 89.2. Yeah, so that made me a little nervous, but I'm still willing to give it a shot, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come in. Just because I don't like bitter beers, I'm going to come in at two and a half. I was actually thinking you were going to say two and a half. <sighs> um, I actually really do like this one. Um, the bitterness doesn't really bother me all that much. Um, 
it is very bitter um but i like it it's it's different you know, i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep drinking it see because it says that it's supposed to have a hint of of sweet at the end of it i have yet to get the sweet yeah it's kind of like um like it's almost it's a similar bitterness to like sucking on a lemon wedge mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then if you just left the peel see, i hate lemon wedges well i can eat lemons all day long but like you give me one piece of a rind or like an orange rind or a lemon rind i can't do it well that's okay makes me sick we'll uh we'll give you a pass on that one yeah. so um so i'm gonna go man you went all the way to two and a half. I did. I went all the way. That's why I said we're going to. This is going to be a pretty wide range here. So I'm going to say four. Okay. I'm going to give it four Luthers. Um, I do like the bitterness. It's it's different. Yeah. I like the different for me. It, it's it's not my typical, but I could see myself enjoying this one on a regular right. basis. Right. I think I think uh, the, the key here is if you like bitter beers, you're going to like this one. If you don't like bitter beers, you're not going to like it. Yeah. And that's a fair enough. I mean, yeah, and that's. I mean, that's, that's just your personal. Against, that's nothing against Left Nut Brewing because I, I mean, I don't think this is a. I, I wouldn't say this is like a, a bad brew or, you know, they didn't do a good job. I think they did a good. I think it. It really is exactly what they described. Mm-hmm. Short of the like, I didn't get the sweet at the end, but maybe that's just because I have such an aversion to bitterness. Yeah, maybe so. That I'm I'm, I'm trying to find the sweet and it it's not really there. Okay, but. I'm not going to hold that against it. I'm still going to give them four Luthers. Okay. That's fair enough. It has a very strong, like, grapefruit. Grapefruity yeah. taste. More mm-hmm. grapefruit than the flesh and blood, I would say. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, it's, I'll, I'll say that it is more fruity than the flesh and blood, but it's the bitterness that just puts it down there for me. That's fair. Because I gave flesh and blood three and a half. Did I give three and a half? Or four? I can't remember. I think you gave it three and a half. I think I gave it four. Yeah. Or something and, like that. And, I mean, it was three and a half because it was so, like, particular. And this one, to me, is so bitter that I can't even give it three and a half. Mostly because I don't like bitter. Okay, but think about this. You remember how it said it pairs well with, like, a barbecue or a steak or something? Mm -hmm. If you had, like, a big ribeye or something in front of you, could you see yourself enjoying this beer? It's possible. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it, it's it's definitely not going to be one that if they if they give me a list of beers, I'm not ever going to pick this out. That's fair. Having tasted it, I'm I'm not going to go. I want that one. That's if, fair. If there's something else on the list, if it's like, hey, all we have is this one, and I'll be like, eh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, that, that would be my response. I think. Okay, that's fair enough. I totally I totally understand it. Yeah. And if you don't like bitter, or you or you do like bitter, then. Your preference is gonna, is pro, our preferences is going to is going to sway our uh, our ratings. Our ratings. So. That's true. Hey, we're 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 driven by our biases. So yes, we are. There so, is uh, this is this is a, a landmark in episodes here. Yeah. So episode, time, episode six has already had a couple of major milestones for us. That's true. That's true. It's the first time we've got a recommendation. It's the first time we've deviated so far on yeah, on our I ratings. The, I think the furthest we've been. Maybe part is like point. half a point. Yeah, half a point. Pretty much every all the other beers up to this point, we were initially either right on or about half a point off. So, yeah. but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it four Luthers. Rick's gonna give it two and a I'm half. Gonna, I'm gonna stick it two and a half because I'm I'm at least halfway done with it now, and you're I'm not just, feeling it. I'm just not feeling it. That's fair. That's I'm fine. Just not feeling it. So, and uh, you don't have to keep them. 
There you go. This will go home with me. <laughs> <laughs> So, Patrick just got the hookup. So yeah, we're gonna give an average go. on here is uh, three what? and a quarter. Three and a quarter. Three and a quarter losers. So still respectable out of Left Nut Brewing yep. for this particular brew. And they, uh, their their webpage they had several others. I wish I I wish I could have found more. I'm gonna have to look and see if I can find some more because, hey man, look and and to be fair, I'm I'm also giving them a full point just on the can. <laughs> I'm giving him oh, one. Yeah, that was right. Luther you are giving him one on the Luther. <laughs> one Luther just on the can. Um, so I've the had, can is I awesome. think I've had one or two of these. Um, not so good. That one looks like it came straight out of the 80s. American Obsession. Oh, yeah. That looks like it's, that looks like, uh, that looks like a Led Zeppelin record. It might be. It's called the, the Lapland Blonde. The Lapland Blonde. Anyway, so we're going to stick with go. Mighty Mighty Banyan. We're going to talk about that one. That's right. Um, so three and a quarter Luthers, four from me, two and a half, and a half. from Rick. And uh, there you go. That's Left nut. There, well done. Hey, look, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bump up to three just for this one thing right here. Hold on to the one you got left. You've already <laughs> given him one full Luther just for the point. You're right. I'm going to stay at two and a half because this is not my favorite beer. By a long shot. So if if it if it was canless, you would have given it one and a half liters. Probably. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If it was just a plain white can and they were like, rate this, it would be it would definitely be below a two. For me, just because I don't like bitter. I mean, I I've, I'd I've stay, I'd, that. I'd still be at four. I Amen. think I'd still be at four. That's even better. So that just means you like it. So there yeah. you go. All right. So go. left nut. Good job. Again, listeners, if you have suggestions, send them to us on the uh, email account that we're rigorously checking. Yes. Um, I check it like reg- at least 76 times a day now. I just check it a couple times a day. No, I don't check it 76 times a day. I do um, check it, though. And when I see notifications, I'm like, oh, someone emailed us. And then it's stuff from Twitter or Instagram. And I'm yeah. really disappointed. So, <laughs> so actually email us. Or... Send us a message on Instagram or Twitter or Twitter. We're on the Twitter. Yeah, so we'll give all that information later. So anyway, there, there we, we go. Are. We've concluded our discussion on the Mighty Banyan, Mighty Banyan from, from Left, Left, Nut Left Nut Brewing, Brewing Company. And now we're going to continue our discussion on Concise Theology by J.I. Packer. Welcome back. We are picking up where we left off in Concise Theology. We cut last week a little bit short, so we're going to touch back on a smidgen of that. And we're only going to cover one main topic tonight, the topic of predestination. But before we get to the topic of predestination, we're going to hit up um, where we left off last week, talking about the almightiness of God. Um, This is really, this is going to kind of like round out the discussion of transcendence and move us into uh, the discussion on on basically God's action. That's kind of what predestination starts when we tar- start talking about God's decrees, um, God's actions in the world. And so when we talk about God being almighty, we, we say that he is both omnipresent and omnipotent. Those are big words there, Rick. Those are 75-cent words. Those are big words. Big words, big words. So omnipresent, Give me tell me what omnipresent means. Um, so I'm not going to try to define omnipresent. But I'm going to go into uh, the scriptures and, and give you a verse. 
give you a verse that I think defines omnipresence pretty give me, well. Give me a verse. So it's in Jeremiah 23, uh, verse 24. It says, can a man hide himself in secret places, secret places where I cannot see him? The Lord's declaration, do I not, do I not fill the heavens and the earth? The Lord's declaration. So omnipresence to me would be that God is in all places at all times. Bingo. At all times. In all time, at all times, around all times, above time, beyond time, which everywhere. Which I, I keep having to remind myself we've discussed how God isn't in time, in, isn't constrained by time. So, but He still is present in time because He's active in the world. Right. This episode is going to make my brain melt. <laughs> just for the record, we haven't so, even got to the deep stuff. Yet. I know, right? So anyway, so omnipresent is just the the idea and the belief that God is. Everywhere, at all times, he yep. is in Seattle, Washington, in the same time he is in South Africa, in the yep. same time he's in Russia, mm -hmm. the same time he's, like, at Jupiter. Yes. And also the furthest star out of the furthest galaxy in the furthest universe of the furthest whatever you want to call it. He's hanging out with the aliens, too. Dude, when are they supposed to storm Area 51? Uh, it's soonish. Okay. Think or did it already happen? I'm I don't thinking know. about going out there for that. You should. That'd be amazing. <laughs> anyway, um, I, would pay, to... I would pay ten dollars to watch you <laughs> die. storm Area Fifty One. Storming Area Fifty One. Not die. Just anyway. So digression. Here we go. So, so present in all places at all times is yeah, how I would concisely. That is, that is a perfect. That. that is a perfect explanation of what it means to be omnipresent. Now let's talk about omnipotent, omnipotent, as some people. People the say. first time I read this word, I thought, for the longest time, I thought it was omnipotent. And I was like, God smells. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. All the time. He smells. He, well, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, no, when we say omnipotent or omnipotent, omnipotent is actually a legitimate pronunciation of the word. Okay, good. So, my 16-year-old um, me feels good now. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it sounds weird, but, but yeah, normally we would just say it omnipotent. And omnipotent just simply means that he is all-powerful. So he has, he is the source of power. Okay. So he is essentially the Tesseract in the Avengers. You know, this we've already is, used this one once, didn't we? Yeah, we've used it a couple <laughs> times, and it's still not a reference I understand. Okay. I haven't got that far yet, so. Oh. Dude. You gotta call spoiler alert on stuff the like first, that. The first, it's the very first Avengers, man. Yeah, like I I haven't got that far. <sighs> I mean, I've seen it, but I don't, you know, I wasn't okay. really, like, paying attention on pins and needles. What's the so. one in the tr in Transformers? Is it the Tesseract? In the cube. The cube. It's basically the cube. God's power is the cube. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's even shaped the same in the Avengers, too. Like, it, it looks almost exactly the same. Okay. That makes me feel really good. I have a point of reference. There you go. That, trans so, that transcends our different lives that we live. <laughs> there you go. So, so when we talk about God being all-powerful... Here, here's what we don't mean, okay? It's not that God can do anything, right? Okay, it's that God can do anything that is logically flowing in the in the course of the world. So, the the here's the here's the big old question that that like seven year old me always used to ask: If God's so powerful, can He make a rock He can't pick up? No. <laughs> or or can He make a square circle? So there you go. That's yeah, I think the the big thing to remember with that is that you know 
the silly questions like can god make a rocky can't pick up or can god make a square circle are, are fun to ask but like also can god sin no no god cannot sin according to was it james i think it's james be, be, because the presence of you know god cannot exist in the presence of sin correct Or he cannot. He he cannot sin. He cannot be tempted. He by cannot. Sin. God cannot be. It's it's be hard to say he sin. can't be in the presence of sin because if he if he's everywhere and people are sinning. Yeah. Then, I mean, technically, technically speaking, he's in the presence of sin. But but he, sin cannot be in the presence of God. Exactly. That feels uh, like a logical fallacy. <laughs> that is. No one undergoing trial should say, I am being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after his desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. So, when when we're talking about God... Let me put my Bible down. When we're talking about God... Um, I wish you could have seen him trying to do that, <laughs> Not being not, he is not able to sin. So, and, and even the big question is: is if Jesus is God, was he? Was it even a possibility for Jesus to sin? Okay. And and while the the reality is in his human nature, yes, in his divine nature, no. Right. Okay. So, especially when you consider the fact that Jesus was tempted. The same as any other man. Yeah, and, and and the Bible says Jesus tempted the way that we are tempted. Right. So he has to have the same nature as we do that, that can be tempted, but he also has the nature of God. And, and, and I, I think it's the theologian Wayne Grudem who says it this way. That's the the divine nature almost acts like a like a backstop. It's, it's, it's not a, you know, a foolproof thing. Don't think oh, it'll, it'll keep him from sinning. He'll just rely on his divinity to keep him from sinning because then he's not tempted in every way that we are. If he Because we don't have the divinity. We don't have that, that nature, divine nature in us. We're just human nature. <clears throat> okay? And, but Jesus was human nature and divine nature in the hypostatic union. Hypostatic union, yeah. That's right. So, um, so in his human nature, he could sin, but he did not sin. So that's why he's the perfect so propitiation his, for sin. In his human nature, he could sin. Yes. But because of his divine nature, he could not sin. He could not sin. That's right. It's 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 hard. It's a hard and in understanding the hypostatic union is difficult. Yeah. Logically makes no sense. It's true. But again, as we've said a couple of different times, if it made sense, then he would, would be God. Would it be worth what we do to serve him or to worship him. Yeah, exactly. So all of that leads us to the statement that, uh, and I think Packer hits on this in, in this section. He says, all that he wills and promises to do, he can and will do. So that's when you start getting to the predestination side of God. So, so let's dive on into predestination, which is everyone's most favorite subject outside of the topic of alcohol. It's like, the two things that you want to stir up strife with, you bring up predestination and alcohol. So okay, we're going so, to do both of them in one, so one episode. By, on episode six, this is this is our news, right? This is this is 
If we make it past this episode, then th- good things have hey, happened, right? Hey, episode seven is the episode of perfection. Because the number seven is the episode is the yeah. number of perfection. Okay, Heck cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So when we talk about predestination, there's this idea that uh, Packer puts it that God has a purpose. Um, so this is a question that, as I was reading, sorry, <clears throat> get you a sip. I'm gonna flip over my book. I'm gonna switch okay. books here. So as I was reading, I came. I had this thought. So and it's something I've thought about a lot. Did God create Adam and Eve fully knowing that they would disobey him and that he would eventually have to send his son in the form of man to live a perfect life and die a death that he did not deserve and resurrect just so that we might have fellowship with him? Yes. So God, when he was picking the dust out of the ground and formed man and breathed life into Adam, he knew what it was going to cost. Exactly. Because God is all-knowing. Exactly. Okay. And that's what that's really what makes the decrees of God really really that much more all-inspiring. Is is God knew I mean the Bible says he knew the beginning from the end. So I mean, he had to know, right? And if he knew, that mean and he did it anyway. I mean, if you knew if you knew That's, your child was going to walk out in front of a car, like if I knew like like the, the second the exact it moment it was going to happen, I would do everything in my power to stop that from exactly. happening. Exactly, exactly. But God knew that the serpent would convince Eve and Adam to take from the fr- take the fruit of the tree, mm-hmm. and God created Adam anyway. See that blows my mind. Yeah, it's one of my one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible is Ephesians chapter two, and it follows Ephesians chapter one. Obviously, <laughs> does it precede Ephesians chapter three? It does it precedes Ephesians chapter three? Um, but in Ephesians one, that's one of the major um, texts that that folks who who believe or who who would say they adhere to a, a belief in the doctrine of predestination are going to point at Ephesians 1 as, as one of their proof texts. But um, in Ephesians 2, I think, you, I think you really see kind of the effects of, of Ephesians chapter 1. So I'm just going to read the first, first nine verses here. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of the world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedience. So we are the disobedient. We all too previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out in the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath. And that's important right there. Children under wrath, as the others were also. Then you pick up in verse 4. This is probably one of my favorite verses. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, he had for us. Now, he had for us. That's that's more than just a present tense. He has for us. This love goes from this eternity, predates this predates goes from eternity past. Okay, like Ephesians one says, "Blessed be the God." Verse three, uh, for He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Okay, okay, tying it all now together. Tied, okay. tied to verse two, the, the love that He had for us made us alive in Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace, and so you have you have. God, 
knowing what's going to have to be done in order to reconcile um, mankind back to him. Right. In order to, to open the door, to have that door available. So God knows, knew all of that. Yes. From the beginning. From the beginning. From and his beginning, not our beginning, but from from before according beginning to, of time. According to Ephesians 4, for he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. So before Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the foundations of the world as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. Right. Before that, God chose us in Christ. So that's crazy. I don't, th I don't think there's any way you can get around this. That God, God chose people. He chose a specific people for himself mm -hmm. before the foundations of the world. Right. And then it continues in verse six, um, together with Christ Jesus, he also raised us up and seated us, seated us in the heavens so that in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. That whole that, so it's continuing this thought that from the beginning, he also raised us up from our transgressions, from our sins, and seated us in the heavens yep. from the beginning. Yes. It was all part of his plan. Yes. From the beginning. Before the foundations of the world. And now my mind is melted. Um, <laughs> and we're, we're not even, like, we're not even into the deep stuff Yeah, we, we haven't really got into it yet. So, so, so if we believe that God is all-knowing, mm -hmm. then he had to know about Adam and Eve's sin. Yes. He had to know that he was going to pursue Israel for generations. Mm -hmm. and they would consistently and pretty much every other chapter of the Old Testament flee from him. Yep. Only to turn back to him, only to flee from him. Yes. Um, and then he knew that he would have to send Jesus to live in this wretched place, mm -hmm. live a sinless life, mm -hmm. and die a death he did not deserve. Yep. And he did it all anyway. Mm -hmm. Kind of makes the doctrine of predestination not so much about being chosen but more about that he chose that, that you actually that he chose yeah it's not about being chosen it's it's the reality that god chose and and i mean the the simple truth is that god could have if he wanted to been perfectly justified to send every single person to hell mm -hmm. because of adam's sin Romans 5 tells us that because those who were in Adam, because Adam sinned, we are, we're all dead. Mm -hmm. Okay? And, but the fact that there are, that there are even some that get chosen is a grace of God. And so you end up with, um, you end up with, so there's, there, across time, you have these, these things called uh, confessions of faith. Mm -hmm. Okay? And I want to read a couple of them. So there's a guy, um, his name is John Frame. And he has written um, a four-volume, basically, systematic theology. But John Frame is probably one of the, the biggest 
thinkers in in what we would call reformed theological circles um and i'm trying to find it in the notes and, and i'm totally stalling while i do this because i can't find it i had it in here and now i can't find it um the, i had the, the confessions of faith right here why can't i do that and on the wrong episode i'm gonna cut some of this out right here why think about presentation there it is what's okay and snap so when we talk about the confessions of faith we talk about um god's plan always coming to fruition and and there's there's a there's a couple of different ones the the westminster shorter catechism says it this way it says the decrees of god are his eternal purpose according to the counsel of his will whereby for his own glory he hath foreordained whatsoever comes to pass okay so that's a that's a really short way of saying if it happens god ordained it to happen okay okay um did it happen by the free choice of man? Yes. But it happened because God ordained it. God allowed it to happen. That's what, that's essentially so what that ordained is, me. That is the, that is the belief that God knows mm -hmm. everything that's going to happen due to the fallen nature of man. Yes. Due to the free will of man. Yes. And God does not stop certain things from happening exactly the the so the main example i'm, I'm thinking of is 9-11 yes so so 9-11 god knew from before the foundations of the world that um evil wicked men were going to hijack planes and do and cause a lot of destruction mm -hmm. and kill many people and i think this is the important important line to remember is that According to the counsel of his of his will, whereby for his own glory. So everything that happens happens for the glory of God. Right. Everything points to the glory of God. We may not understand it. Mm -hmm. We don't have to understand it. Right. But it's we still have to be ready to admit that it points to the glory of God. Right. So and 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 this is like. So this is where this is where I think about things like, and this is going to sound awful. I think about abortion. Okay. Okay. Now, what I'm not saying is that abortion is a good thing that's to the glory of God. No. But what I'm saying is that at the end of it, when 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 all of this is ended, when the earth is ended, and God justifies when He rights every wrong. Okay we're going to see that glory on display at right. that point. You know, when we see all the, the, the millions of babies who have been, mm -hmm. who have been killed for, for no reason other than a woman's choice, a woman's choice. Yeah. And I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying it that way. But, but, um, you know, you, I, I can, I can't really, I can't really justify something in, in any way as, as a choice when you're killing a living being that has blood pumping through its veins. Right. You know, um, I've seen it put that, um, we would freak out if we found bacteria on Mars uh -huh. because there's life on yeah. another planet. Uh -huh. Why are we so flippant about yeah. abortion? Well, and, and even, even, to make it not trying to get political, but to, and, and, and yeah, we're not trying we to get political, but we're going to do it anyway. Here we um, go. Um, but but 
how much how much more protection do endangered species have right than than babies in the womb right and then you bring on cases like the new york case and the virginia case and you look at countries like scotland and australia and new zealand who are redefining what abortion actually is mm-hmm. and i mean let's let's make no qualms about it abortion is murder Right, and we should stop to we should seek to stop it at every level. Um, you know, I I will gladly. This is Rick speaking. I will gladly admit that the the basis behind abortion is essentially the what the Nazis used. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 this Agreed. thing called eugenics, right? Okay. Um, the the, the weaker the, people the, should the, be the killed. Found, the founder of Planned Parenthood. Yes, was very vocal about how she felt that uh, black people should yeah. <laughs> abort their babies because yeah. they're they're because a, they're they were they were a lesser race because they're poor because according they were a lesser to her race and according to her I want to make that very clear that that's not a stance we hold I'm just no. explaining the no and 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 so but all that to say that something as terrible, terrible as, as abortion, abortion is used. Will get will be used for the glory of God. Yes. So that was a little diatribe. You're welcome for that. Sorry, we're we're totally not making it past predestination. I'm glad we didn't try to do anything more than this. Same. Okay. Um, So, so you covered. So you covered with the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Shorter Catechism says. Let me let me tell you real quick what the Westminster Confession says because this is this is like a little bit expanded. Um, It says God from all eternity did by the most wise and holy counsel of His own will freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. Yet so, as thereby neither is God the author of sin, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures, nor is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. So, anytime that you talk about predestination, you get the charge of fatalism. People immediately jump to fatalism. And fatalism is is basically saying whatever is going to happen is going to happen. It's fate. That's where we you know we okay. say we get gotcha. saying it's fate. Yeah. All right. So that's what fatalism is. You can't. There's nothing you can do to change it. There's nothing you can do to. And so you shouldn't do anything about it. You know that's 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 what we always come to the conclusion of. You shouldn't do anything about it because it's just fate. It's going to happen. Right. That is not what the the doctrine of predestination teaches. Okay. Okay. The doctrine of predestination says whatever does happen was ordained by God. But that does not mean, and and I'm going to quickly go back to abortion. That does not mean we should stand aside as Christians and let abortion happen and just say, oh, whatever will be. As, right. as the, no, we are called according to Micah six eight to stand for justice and stand for mercy. And so, so the the whole idea here is not so much about what could happen in the future, just mm-hmm. letting that happen. Right. It, it it gets back to what happens. In, what has what has already transpired was allowed to happen by God. Yes. Anything that could happen, and we go back to the the kid. Our children, yeah. If we knew that our children were going to run out into the street and then a car was going to come by at that exact moment, we would be basically in the street waiting. We would be required to do something about that. Yes. 
we, 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 we do... if we had that knowledge, if we knew at a certain time that a car was going to go by the street and our kid was going to be in the in the street, we would have to do something about yes. that. We couldn't just say, "Well, whatever happens, happens." Like, yes. no, and that is that is that's not what the doctrine of predestination should teach us. If that's what you believe the doctrine of predestination teaches, then you need to go back and learn what the doctrine of predestination actually is. Right. Because you don't understand it. Okay. So, so that should, that should never, it should never be a fatalistic worldview. It should always be a, a, a worldview that says, I'm going to do everything I possibly can for justice and mercy. And if something doesn't seem to work out in my favor, then I'm going to say, God's got this in his, in his hands and, and God is still in control. Right. And it's not, again, the, the point is it's not about us. Predestination is not about us. It's, it's about, about what God does. Right. And and that's the whole point of predestination. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of verses here that just um, explain this idea that what God purposes will come to pass. It's not that what he purposes might or what he purposes should, but what he purposes will surely come to pass. Mm-hmm. Um Psalm 33, 11 says, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. And then Isaiah 46, 10 says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Um, That Isaiah passage is God speaking. Yeah. That's God saying, look, here's the deal. I'm all powerful. I'm all knowing. I know the beginning from the end. I can tell the difference between the two. I know where the beginnings, where it starts and where it ends. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do, and I'm going to allow to happen what I please. Yes. Because I am God, because I am worth it, because I am worthy. Yes. It's my role and my, my duty to do as I please. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's, that's, that's where the doctrine of predestination really, really focuses. That's where it should be focused is, is we, God knows the beginning from the end. We don't know the beginning from the end, right? It's not our job to try to figure out the beginning from the end, right? That's not what the Bible teaches us to do. And so it's our job to be faithful to what scripture teaches us to do. And when we're not faithful to repent and to, and to turn back to God and say, I I repent, let's, let's keep moving on. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so, um, whatever God, and, and specifically when we're talking about the doctrine of, of predestination in salvation, um, that's when we start talking, that's when people really, really get nervous is they start talking about the idea of election and reprobation. Okay. Okay. Um, and I think that, that, uh, that Piper hit on this just a little bit. Um, when you talk about predestination and election in the, in the new Testament, We've kind we've kind of already hit on that when we when we talked about Ephesians one and Ephesians two. Mm-hmm. Okay, another verse that does that is is Romans eight twenty nine, and it says, "For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that the in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called; and those whom he called, he also justified; and those whom he justified, he also glorified." So what he's, what he's, this verse is talking and, um, and people who study, study the Bible will call this the golden chain of salvation because it kind of gives you the order of salvation. Uh-huh. Um, 
and and it and it says you know it, it puts predestination first, and it says because God predestined it, this will happen. Okay. Okay. Um. And and I'll read this. This is a quote from Packer uh, on on predestination. It says predestination is a word often used to signify God's foreordaining of all events in of world history, past, present, and future. And this usage is quite appropriate. In scripture and in mainstream theology, however, predestination means specifically God's decision made in eternity before the world and its inhabitants existed regarding the final destiny of individual sinners. So this is like this is what we're talking about when we're talking about election and reprobation. Um, and this is, I'll, I'll, I'll be real honest, this is a very, very difficult and deep doctrine to try to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing easy about this, and if you make this easy, then you don't understand. I'll go back to it, you don't understand. You're watering it down for sure. Yeah. If, you, if you think this is simple, then you don't understand it, because it's not simple. Right. Um, and so... So when we talk about the idea of election and reprobation, we talk about election being those that God chose for eternal life and reprobation being those that God passed over for eternal life. And and some people would call this um, double predestination. So so some are predestined for yeah they would say they're predestined to go to hell. Uh huh. Um. But and, and again, it it all goes back to we don't know. So it's not our job to try to figure out right. the ones that are and the ones that aren't. It's our job as Christians, because we have been saved by the grace of God, and and you know, and and, and, and I've always heard this analogy, and it's kind of it's kind of cliche or whatever. When you walk through the gates of heaven, you know, it says on the front side because you you, you have you have one side that's like, oh, whosoever will, whosoever will, it's open for everyone. And and on the front side you have this gate that says whosoever will, and you walk through the gate, and on the back side it says before the foundations of the world. And so the the picture is that you offer, you you share the gospel with everyone that you possibly can come in contact with, uh-huh. because Romans ten tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's it's our job to share the gospel right. with people, um, and, and as Christians we should be doing that. But it's not our job to save people. Right. It's never been our job to save people. Exactly. Right. Our job is just to sow yes. and let the reaper reap. Exactly. And I think so many times we get in, you know, we get our, you know, uh, our three strategies or whatever, you know, this is how we're going to share the gospel because it's the most effective way to share the gospel and, and, you know, studies show this and studies show that. And so many times we're we're stuck on what studies show and we quit thinking about just sharing the gospel, just being, you know, unabashed about sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And and we focus on strategies to try to win people because we have this mindset that it's our job to win people. It's not our job to win people. It's the Holy Spirit's job to win people. Right. It's never been our job. Yeah. From so, from the from when Jesus left. See if it if it had been See if it had been our job to win. If it had been our job, we're gonna be. Yeah, it'd be all right. It's fine. Um, so cut. So if it had been our job to win people, then the Holy Spirit wouldn't be necessary. Exactly. Correct. Exactly. Because the Holy Spirit is what awakens 
the person's soul and mind and heart to know that they need Jesus. That's what John 6 teaches. And so, you know, it says no one can come to the Father except that person which the Spirit draws. Right. So so that's what John teaches. So the the bigger question becomes now at that point, on what condition or why is it that the Spirit draws some people and not the others? At the end of the day, is it does it matter why? I, it, I mean, it doesn't matter what the scriptures say about it. And and I would I would contain or I would contend that scripture says, you know, the basis for for salvation comes from from God's you know, omnipotence. We go back to the very beginning of what we talked about, mm-hmm. omniscience and omnipotence. His being everywhere, his knowing everything, his transcendence, his being all powerful, that is the foundation for for what what leads to God. So it's nothing in ourselves. That's why Ephesians says, for it is by grace you have been saved. It's not because of some person sharing Christ with you that you have been saved. That may have been the vehicle. That may have been the means, but that's not what actually saved you. And so, so when you talk about it, talk about that, when you talk about it being the foreknowledge of God, then, then you, you step back again to this idea that God is completely outside of time. God is completely outside of knowledge because from God comes all knowledge. Okay. All right. We're getting late and we're, we're getting tired. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> but, good. But no, no, I, I'm following. So, so, so you have this idea of foreknowledge really meaning not so much that God looks through time and, and decides who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved, but that God in his foreknowledge, in his forelove, and in his four appointments, that's kind of the the main mm-hmm. keys behind foreknowledge. There is is that God, and, and and I think it's First John was it First John four eight that says because we love because he first loved us. Right. So we have the capacity to love God because he loved us first. Right. Um, and we don't we don't get that capacity until he puts his love onto us. Does that make sense? Yes. Um. So. The foreknowledge of God is not a passive foresight on God's part of what individuals are going to do no. without him determining what people are going to do. No. And that's, that's that, going to that, be the, That's going to be where people get tripped up is... Exactly. Foreknowledge is not God orchestrating, manipulating people to do. No. But... It, it, <laughs> My brain's turning to mush, I promise you. So it's so God has the foreknowledge to know who will and who won't? Yes. But it's not foreknowledge like we think. So we when we think foreknowledge He knows he has foreknowledge because he's chosen who will exactly. And who won't. Exactly. He's chosen who will and who won't. He is the one that put that in there. So it's not and and really foreknowledge is kind of a is almost like a misnomer because when we think foreknowledge we think ahead of time like a fortune teller exactly like a fortune teller and so so the the two the two distinct camps and i think this is interest this is it's important to to put these two distinctions out there is you have one that would be the more arminian camp and you have one would be the more calvinistic camp okay, okay. so the arminian camp says that God looks through the corridor of time, sees who's going to follow him, and elects those people. So you have what's called conditional election. 
Okay. Okay. And then the Calvinistic view says, no, he doesn't look through the corridors of time. He chooses the people who are going to, and because he chooses them, they do respond. So, so human, so mankind has free will in as much as what we do, how we act, how we treat other people, but our response to God is not necessarily a free will action. I would even say that it is still a free will action because, because I mean, and, and I think you have to really get down in what you're defining free will as. Free will, the way I would define free will is what you want most at that moment. Now, okay. Now, what God can do is he can orchestrate events so, so that where you come to a point the thing where that you want most the thing at that the you moment desire most and, and what is Jesus, what, okay. What that's been the whole time is the spirit working in your life, molding your heart, um, softening your heart, people sharing the gospel with you, you hearing okay. the gospel. I'm following, I'm following. And so so that's when we say the ends come to fruition by the means, which is what God uses. That's what God orchestrates, that's what God brings to pass. And that comes back to that whole idea that we don't win people to Jesus. We are part of the process of exactly. them, of people responding exactly. to Jesus. Exactly. So, so it's, it's and, and realistically, I mean, this view, when you're talking about sharing your faith with people, it should, I mean, it should make you excited. It really should. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's your job. Thanks, ESPN. It's your job to share the gospel with people, not produce converts. Right. And so, well, our, so jo- our job is not to have the most tallies of conversions. Yeah. Our job is to be faithful in sharing and sharing and letting the Holy Spirit do the and that's work. The, that's the end of it. Like you share, you're done. Right. Okay. Okay. So, so once you share the rest of the results are completely up to God. Right. And that's why you can get to passages like Ephesians two, where it says, but God rich in mercy because of his great love that he has. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's how you can really get that. So if you, if you have a conditional election, like a, like a guy, uh, like the Arminian camp would say, you have an election that is, that is contingent upon a person It's contingent upon them. So they are the driver's seat in their, in that view. The person is the driver's seat. Whereas a more Calvinistic view is going to say, no, God is in the driver's seat. God is the one who is orchestrating and ordaining and bringing about his will. Got it. For his glory. You go back to the Westminster Confession right. that he's bringing about for his glory. Yeah. Everything is coming back to God receiving all the glory, period. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have we beaten that horse sufficiently? I don't know. <laughs> We've got more notes. <laughs> Do you have anything else we want to say? Uh, I, I mean, I think we've we've realistically. Hey, look, okay, we've, okay, listen, okay. So the, I do want to I do want to make this point. So if you are a believer in Jesus, thank God for your conversion. Absolutely, thank God that He chose you before the foundations of the world. Yeah, He chose Rick. He chose Patrick. Individual, like He knew before He began even forming the world together that we would be sitting here recording this. Yes. Um, look to him to keep you in that grace that he brought to you. Yes. Um, and then look confidently forward to his final triumph. Yes. 
So because, because in in the end, it's all about the work of God, right? And that's what that's what the doctrine of predestination should rightly point to right. is is the person and work of God. Right. Predestination is not about mankind at no. all. No, it is about God receiving all the glory that is due Him, mm-hmm. and uh, and mankind getting out of the way. Yes. So, so there you go. And, and if you don't get out of the way, God will move you out of the way. Yes, he will. And that's usually not a good situation. Not at all. Just ask some of the Old Testament kings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true. So, so there you go. There, there we have it. We have completely mushed the brains of everyone listening. Listening. I know my brain is mushed. Just uh, talking about predestination. If you have any thoughts or comments on on that, email us at the beers and Bible podcast at gmail dot com. Boom. Uh, Hit us up on Instagram. Yes. Um, beers and Bible underscore or at Beers and Bible underscore. Yeah, however, beers and Bible underscore. Twitter. However you look for it. Twitter, we're, we're there. Beers and Bible P1. Um, and we look forward to hearing your suggestions for beers to try and your comments and thoughts on predestination or any other topic that we've covered so far. Tweet at us. Give us some beer suggestions. We need, we're, I was really glad to have the recommendation this time because I literally walked in. I was like, I know exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. I'm looking the, for a specific The practice brewery. of walking in and just blindly walking up and down until you see something that looks good is getting really, <laughs> really difficult, especially if you go to different different places that have a different variety. And you're like, I don't know if I've seen this one before or not. Yeah. So, so there send you have us, it. Send us some suggestions. Hit us up on Please Instagram. Do. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, let us know. Us. Let us know something so that we can find more, more and more beers. Because honestly, we're, what we're doing is we're looking at what they are, and we're trying not to get. Because the reason I bought this one today was because somebody just said, "Hey, uh, try one from the try, try Left Nut Brewing and, and see what you think." And I went and I found something from Left Nut Brewing, and it was the only one they had. So we ended up with a double IPA. You didn't like it, and I didn't like it. That's okay. That's fine. So I did finish it though. So that's. I mean. You're not going to bump it up. No, I'm not. Two and a half it is. It still wasn't good. It was two and a half to me. So four for me, two and a half from from Rick over there. Predestination. Hammered that one out. Hopefully. And uh, until next time. Peace. Take it easy. To the out. See ya. You enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible. Please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. 